I invite you to open the Word of God to the Gospel according to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. You'll find that on page 1099 in the Pew Bible. And I'll begin reading at verse 4 and read to the end of verse 21. And as I read, see if you can pick out the theme word of this passage, if you can hear it. Luke 8, beginning at verse 4. This is the Word of God. Let us give special attention to it. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he, Jesus, said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care, then, how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away." Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Thus far the reading of God's word. I heard it again the other day. There was this young boy who was moving his mouth at at excessive speeds, and his father said to him, Son, you have two ears 
and one mouth. You should listen more and speak less. And that is wise advice. It is the advice that our Lord Jesus Christ Himself would give. As you listen to the reading of this passage of the Word of God, you know that our Lord is speaking about hearing. He talks about this parable, a sower went out to sow seed, and then later on we learn that that parable is about how we hear the Word of God. And he ends that little parable with these words, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then he tells us in verse 18 that we're to take care then how we hear. And at the end of our passage in verse 21, he tells us that his family are those who hear the Word of God and do it. So it is all about hearing. Some of you, probably most of you, know the name of Helen Keller. She had developmental disabilities so that from the age of 18, she could neither speak, hear, or see. And at the end of her life, she concluded in a letter to a friend this, after a lifetime in silence and darkness, to be deaf is a greater affliction than to be blind. Hearing is the soul of knowledge. Those are words that our Lord Jesus Christ would concur with. Hearing is the soul of knowledge. It's important about, it's important for us to hear well. Well, let's look at this passage together and see what our Lord has to teach us. The first thing I want to point out to you is that hearing is, in the first place, a grace of God. You can see this in verse 9 when Jesus says to his disciples in verses 9 and 10, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. So you can hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus is saying, and not all who hear understand it. Not all understand what the kingdom of God is about. We know from Jesus' own ministry that some thought that the kingdom of God meant that the Romans would be driven out of Israel and that the Jews would be established in their own homeland again as superior to the Roman Empire and indeed to all the nations of the earth, that God would make the nation of Israel a great nation among the nations. And when you look at the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not obvious that He is the King of the kingdom. He just looks like a normal man like the rest of us. And so it isn't clear to those who are looking that Jesus is not only the promised Messiah, but he is very God, a very God who has come into this world to drive back the kingdom of darkness and to establish the kingdom of light on this world. These things are secrets to some. They're mysteries that are hidden from some people. And Jesus says they are given to others. He says to his disciples that you, in contrast to so many, to you it says, he says, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. That is, it's a supernatural grace. By nature, our ears are deaf to the word of truth. 
By nature, our eyes cannot see the glory of God as that is seen in the face of our Lord Jesus Christ. And our hearts are hard and recalcitrant and and unwilling to bend before the sovereign majesty. We do not naturally live as citizens of the kingdom of God, but some do. And the ones who do are those who have been blessed by the grace of God. He has chosen them from before the foundation of the world, and he has brought them out of darkness into light, and he has given to them the secrets, to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. Not all people know it. Those who hear the truth of the gospel are those God has sovereignly blessed in his grace. So that's the first thing to understand. If you know Christ, if you hear the voice of the Good Shepherd, it is because of God's grace. It has been given to you. Now, if that's true, and it is true, then you might wonder why the Lord Jesus places such stress on the necessity of hearing. Because you could argue like this, well, if God sovereignly dispenses his truth to whomever he will, then it doesn't really matter what I do with the truth when I hear it. If I hear it or don't hear it, it doesn't make a difference because the only thing that matters is if God gives me the grace of hearing. But that's not the way the Bible reasons. Yes, grace is sovereignly given. God gives to whomever he will, when he wills, at what time he wills. He's the one who changes some hearts and leaves other hearts unchanged. And yet, it is important for us to be careful in how we hear. In fact, if that weren't of any value, then why would the gospel be preached anyways? Why wouldn't God just save people apart from the proclamation of the word? But obviously, because the gospel is proclaimed, he wants people to hear and to believe. This is what Jesus says there in verse 16. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. You don't light a lamp and then douse or cover the flame. And neither do you preach the gospel if it's unnecessary, if it's irrelevant. No, the gospel is proclaimed in order to be heard and received. Now, it's true that one day the gospel will be made known to everybody in this world, that all people will understand who Christ is in all of his magnificent glory as the King of kings and Lord of lords, as the one mediator between God and man. That's what Jesus says there in verse 8, 17. Nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. So one day, all people will know the glory of Christ. But in the meantime, right now, between his first coming and his second coming, the gospel is preached, and your blessing or your curse depends on what you do with the preaching of the gospel. So that Jesus says there in verse 18, 
To the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. How you listen determines your blessing. And this is important for us because we're all listeners. We're all hearers of the Word of God. We gather each Lord's Day morning and evening for the open proclamation of the Word, for the declaration of the kingdom of God. And you don't leave here unchanged. Even if, you, if you're sleeping under the preaching of the Word, and if you're hearing this now, you're not. But even if you are sleeping, that affects you. That leaves its imprint on you. You cannot listen to the preaching of the Word of God or it will work either for your blessing or your bane, for your happiness or for your woe. And that's why our Lord Jesus says, take care how you listen. Because if you listen well, blessings will come. He'll give you more grace. But if you listen poorly, even what you have will be taken from you. This is the lesson that we learn from Jesus in verses 9 and 10. Why does Jesus speak in parables? Well, the common answer is that parables are simple stories to illustrate kingdom truths and to do it with items from everyday life so that even a child could understand. So that most people think parables are taught by the Lord Jesus in order to reveal the truth, in order to make people understand. But that's not Jesus' understanding of parables. Look at what he says there in verse 10. He says to his disciples, to you it has been given by God's sovereign grace to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables. So I tell you the open truth, but to others I speak in parables. Listen to why. So that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Do you catch what Jesus is saying? I speak in parables not to reveal the truth, but to conceal the truth. Not to disclose it, but to hide it. And he backs that up with a quotation from Isaiah 6, from the call of the prophet there. Isaiah was commissioned by the Lord Jesus the one who sat upon the throne to go and preach to the Jews. And you would think that his message was in order to bring them to life and to salvation and to hope in God. But listen to what God commissions him with in Isaiah 6. Go and say to this people, keep on hearing but do not understand. Keep on seeing but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. So what was Isaiah's ministry? 
It wasn't to bring the people of God to salvation, but it was to intensify God's judgment upon them. It's not to soften their heart, but to harden their heart. It's not to open their eyes, but to close their eyes, to blind their eyes, so that they will not be saved. The ministry that Isaiah carried out was a ministry designed to bring judgment on the people of God. You say, why would God do that? Well, I'll tell you why. God judged his people because they did not listen to the word of God when it was preached to them. So they had refused to obey. They rejected his counsel. They would not submit to his truth. And God says to them now, because you wouldn't submit to my truth, you're now in a situation where you couldn't submit to God's truth. Because you refuse to hear what I say, it said, I will now refuse to speak in a way that you will hear. That is, he speaks to them to harden them, to bring judgment upon them in the present because of their past refusal to listen to the word of God. So that to some, the gospel comes as a judgment rather than a blessing. And this is what our Lord Jesus is saying here about parables. The reason he speaks in parables to the Jews of his day is because they refused to embrace him as the Messiah, as the one who had been sent by God to bring salvation to them. They refused him. They resisted him. They rejected him. And Jesus is saying, because you would not listen, now you cannot listen. Because you did not hear, now you will not be able to hear. That's why it's so important for you to listen carefully whenever the Word of God is read in your homes or preached. Because what you do with the Word of God matters immensely, matters eternally. It will either be for your blessing or it will be for your curse. So then the question is, if Jesus is saying to us, take care then how you hear, Sean, what do you want me to do with that? Pardon? Should I go to the other mic? So because so much is riding on how you hear the word of God, because it's, it determines your eternal destiny, how you listen to God's word, because our Lord Jesus tells us to take care then how you hear, the question we should all be asking right now is, well then how do I hear? How should I hear so that I might receive maximum blessing from God through the ministry 
of his word. And the parable that Jesus tells highlights that for us. The parable is very simple. It does take events from everyday life that the Jews would be familiar with. A sower went out to sow his seed. The seed, of course, is the word of God, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, the great declaration of what God has done in Jesus Christ to bring about the reconciliation of sinners with a holy God. The gospel is the death of Jesus Christ proclaimed as a substitution for sinners so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. A man went out to sow the seed. The gospel was preached to all. And then there are four soils representing four types of hearers. There's the pathway hearers, there's the rocky hearers, the thorny hearers, and then finally there are the good hearers. So how should we listen? Well, let's start with the good hearers. What is it about them? We read in verse 8, And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And that's explained in verse 15. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. So what is it about the good soil that is commended to us for our imitation? Well, the good soil hears the word. Now you'll realize that all hear the word. This is why it's, it's so applicable to a congregation of God's people because we're all hearing the word. All of us, none of us escapes the hearing of the word. But the uniqueness about the good soil is that they hear it with an honest and good heart. That, God, that is that God has intervened in his life. He has reached down. He has taken out the heart of stone that is impervious and hard and unwilling to receive the word, he has taken that heart out and put it in a a good and honest heart. A heart that is malleable, that is penetrable, a heart that is soft, that is receptive, that is warm. So they hear the word, and then they hear it with an honest and good heart, and then notice they hold it fast. That is, they will not let it go. They have found the truth of the gospel, the glory of God in Jesus Christ, to be of immense value that they would sell everything rather than lose it. They cherish it. They treasure it. They cling to it. When it says things to them that make them uncomfortable, they don't put it aside. When it causes them to have troubles with culture because the truth of the word of God clashes with the lies of our culture, they don't dispense with the word, they hold it fast. They cling to it, come what may. And then it issues into fruit. They bear fruit with patience or persistence. So the word is heard with a good and honest heart. It's held fast to and it demonstrates itself in good works, fruit that brings honor to the God who has planted the seed in the first place. 
And this is a profound contrast with the other three soils. The contrast is not, again, in that the other three soils don't hear the word of God, whereas the good soil does. No, they all hear the word of God. Even the pathway soil in verse 12, the ones along the path are those who have heard. All the soils heard the word of God. The difference comes in to how long the word of God remains with them. So the pathway soil, the word is there just in a fleeting way. They hear it enough to go in one ear and out the other ear. But they don't hear it with a good heart. Their heart is hard. It has been trodden down by Satan and his lies, by the pressures of the culture, by the person's own deceitful heart. So that the word is heard, but then the devil comes and takes away the word from the heart so that they may not believe and be saved. It's a hard-hearted listening so that it doesn't affect them in any way. The food from heaven given for their blessing, Jesus says, has become the food for Satan. He snatches it away so that it doesn't change the person. That's sobering, isn't it? To think about people who have sat under the ministry of the word for years and years and years. Their place in church is never vacant. And yet it doesn't change them. It hasn't affected them in any way. They're just hard to the gospel. Their pastors have come to them privately. Their elders have visited with them in their homes and and pressed the claims of Christ. And they do nothing with it. They will not bend the knee. They refuse to submit to the king. Then there's the the rocky soil people. These are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. It just springs up because the soil's there and because of the rock and the the depth of the soil, the the heat units are there and the seed germinates and it, it comes to fruition. And you think, wow, this is wonderful. What an encouragement. They receive it with joy. But then notice what happens. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. They have no root. The word has made no significant impact. The roots of the gospel have not gone down deep into their hearts. It has just uh, flitted around their minds. They've been moved because they receive with joy. But then when the pressures of life come, the word dissipates and it is gone. I'm sure some of you have had that at times. You've sat under the ministry of the word. I, I know I have had that at times as well. And, and the word came with power and you thought, yes, that needs to be transformed in my life. I cannot continue living as I am. But then you go home and you have a cup of coffee and a piece of cake and it's gone. Whatever impression was there is is no longer there. And you return to your hard, calloused indifference. That's the rocky soil hears. 
And then there are the thorny soil hears. Notice verse 14, they, they hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. So they receive the word. They hear it, they receive it. And then notice this, as they go on their way. So there's something imperceptible happening in their life. It's nothing sudden. It's not like they wake up one morning and reject the word. No, it happens as they go on their way. There's slow changes in their life. And soon, whatever spiritual life they've had is choked out. It can no longer breathe because of the thorns of this world. And then they just die. They never mature and bear fruit. Well, what are those thorns that choke out spiritual life? Jesus tells us there are three. There's cares, anxieties, becoming so overwhelmed by the things of this world that you do not give sufficient attention to the world to come. Being so caught up with time that you don't think about eternity. If you have that, that will squelch whatever spiritual life is there. It's the cares of this world, the anxieties of life. And then riches. We all want to be rich. We all think that a little more money would make us that much more happy. But we do well to listen to the incessant warnings of our Lord Jesus about wealth. It is a dangerous thing. Young men, listen to this. You want to become rich one day, and you work hard. But it's a dangerous thing to be rich. That's what Jesus says. It's a a hard thing for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Riches have, have this ability to squelch, to choke out, to drown any spiritual life in you. And it's not just riches. Because you could think that if I had riches, I could give a lot of money away. But here's the thing about riches. That riches, even when you give a lot of money away, you also give a lot to yourself. And riches lead to pleasures. And pleasures are dangerous for spiritual life. That's what Jesus says. They are choked out by the cares of this world, by riches, and by the pleasures that riches give. You can go on holiday. You can neglect family worship because of the things that you can do. You can neglect the corporate worship of God because you now have the means to to be absent from the house of God on the Lord's Day. And riches have this way of intertwining themselves within your mind so that all you think about is money, money, money. And you never have enough. And you're never satisfied. And pleasures never give you the happiness that you think they should. And so you're always pursuing more pleasures. And you do so to the neglect of your soul. That's the difference. The difference is the heart. A good and honest heart hears the word, holds it fast, and bears fruit. And all the other hearts play around with the word, have minor impressions, fleeting engagement, and 
not lasting blessing. So what ought you to do? Well, it seems clear, isn't it? You ought to pray that God would give us grace to listen well. That uh, before we come to the reading of God's word in our family worship or in our private devotion or in public worship, that we would pray, oh God, give me ears to hear. I don't want to hear and my hearing be used against me to bring judgment. I want to, I want to hear the word of God so that I'll prosper, so that I'll bear fruit for your glory and for my own blessing. Give me a heart. Teach me the secrets of the kingdom of God. It pushes us to confess our dependence upon God and his sovereign grace if we're ever going to profit from the ministry of God's word. Take care then how you hear. And then in the last section of this passage, we read about Jesus' family, his mothers and brothers wanting to meet him, but they cannot reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your, your mother and your brothers are standing outside. And Jesus then uses that as an opportunity to tell people who his real family is. How do you define closeness to Jesus? Or who belongs to the family of God? What, what is the family characteristic? You know, we, we talk that way all the time. There's, there's a, a family that has red hair. Oh, or oh, they all have red hair. Or, or that family is really hardworking. Or, or, or things like that. Because there are characteristics, family characteristics. Well, what's the family characteristic of the family of Jesus? Well, listen to what he says in verse 21. My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. It's the hearers and the doers of the word who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know why that is? Is That's because that's what characterized our Lord Jesus' life. Who was he? He was one who heard the word of God and who did it. There's a lovely passage in Isaiah 50 where the Lord Jesus is speaking. And listen to what he says. Morning by morning, God awakens. He awakens my ear. To hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. So the the father spoke to the son. Son, I want you to go into the world. To give yourself for the salvation of my people. And it says the Lord Jesus heard. He heard the word of his father, the will of his God. And he held fast to it. Even though it was costly for him. Even though it meant his death and the ridicule and the scorn and being forsaken by his father. He did not shrink back from hearing and holding fast to the word of God. And because our Lord Jesus was the best hearer and doer, there's salvation for us sinners who do not always hear and do like we should. 
because Jesus has heard and done for us what we could not do for ourselves. So trust in the Lord Jesus Christ to be your hearer and doer. And then imitate him. Be like him. Cherish the word of God. Love it. Listen to it. Hold it fast. Practice it in your life. Bear fruit for God's glory. And you will be blessed, both in this life and in the life to come. Our attitude should be like the attitude of A. Moody Stewart. I was reading his biography this week, and they had a selection from his diary in there. Near the end of his life, this Alexander Moody Stewart, he was a a minister in the Free Church in the 1800s, of Scotland, that is. And um, he says that he would wake up every hour and a half or two hours. He would strike his lamp before electricity. He would stand up and he would read the word of God. Then he would meditate on it and then go back to sleep until he woke up again in the next hour and a half or two hours. Now, I'm not recommending that you wake up every hour and a half or two hours. I don't know why he did it. I don't know how he got up. I don't suppose he set an alarm and perhaps he did. But, but after he did that one morning, he was reflecting on it. And this is what he said. How I love the words of the Lord Jesus. It is the next best thing to see in him. That's the attitude that should characterize our hearts. We cannot see the Lord Jesus because he's at the right hand of the Father. One day we shall, but now we can hear him. And that's the next best thing. And so we should love the words of our Lord Jesus. Hold fast to them and bear fruit with patience. May God give us the grace to do so. Let's pray together. O Lord, our God, we give thanks to you that you have given us your word. You've given us instruction about how we ought to hear. You've given us warning about uh, the danger of not hearing well. And we pray that we would tremble at your warnings, that we would embrace your promises, that we would obey your commands, And above all, that we would embrace the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who heard your word and who carried out the plan of salvation for us sinners. We pray that you would work by your spirit in us and give us that same desire and longing so that we would love the truth and love the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Let us uh, sing and read.